This is Asia in Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of Asia in Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from our experts in Asia Pacific on the issues that matter most to businesses. Hi, this is Angela Mancini, partner at Control Risks, and I lead the Asia Pacific Markets Group. Clients have been asking how to think through all the changes that are happening from a geopolitical and regulatory perspective and what that actually might mean for their business. And they've been asking as well about the importance of President Biden's trip to Asia and what it's going to actually mean for business operations going forward. Since the first week of the conflict in Ukraine, we've had a real surge in questions from clients who are suddenly refocusing on geopolitical risk and they're wondering if they're unprepared for potential crises here in the the greater China and Northeast Asia region, as many people were unprepared for the Ukraine situation. And President Biden's trip in the past week is really a symbol of how fast things are changing here in perceptions and in many cases in reality. That was Andrew Gilholm, principal and our lead analyst for Northeast Asia. Andrew and his team spend all day every day out speaking with clients and advising them around the political and regulatory landscape of North Asia and with a particular focus on China. Well, a lot of this is symbolic, frankly, in terms of the immediate, tangible, short-term outcomes. But being symbolic doesn't mean it's not important. I think what we've seen in the past week really reflects another catalyst for the geopolitical shifts that we've seen in this region for several years. And they sometimes get exaggerated, you know, when we talk about the new Cold War or decoupling or new spheres of influence or economic and trade blocks. But I think the trends are still very significant and we've seen them speeding up for years now. The first catalyst we saw for this was really the Trump presidency and the huge shift in mutual perceptions between the US and China at that time. And then we had the COVID effect, if you like, and two years of the damage done and the increasing disconnect between the US and China and impacts in a lot of other countries as well. And now we've had the Ukraine effect, which is another catalyst for changing perceptions, obviously, most immediately around Russia, but it's having a big impact, I think, on the China, US and wider, if you like, West versus China perceptions. And now we have President Biden coming, I think, to remind everybody in the region that his shift to increased emphasis on Asia has not been forgotten, despite the current heavy focus on Europe and the Russia-Ukraine situation. So there's been a lot of things happening that they are symbolic, but they would have been very difficult to imagine five years ago. So things like the very open criticism of and mentions of China by leaders of South Korea, Japan, Australia, all of whom would have been much more cautious about that previously. Some of the comments on Taiwan and the Quad starting to look 
more significant and have some more tangible initiatives instead of just being a talking shop. So I think the trend that this all shows is very real and it's reminded clients along with the Ukraine situation that things are moving fast and geopolitics is really reshaping the environment here even if it's not immediately impacting the business environment day to day for many of them. Yeah, and let's talk for a moment more specifically about Taiwan. President Joe Biden's comments on Taiwan made literally made the top of the fold headlines when I think he had probably wanted the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework to be the headline instead. But his comments on Taiwan were front and center. We, as you know, started getting calls from clients about Taiwan risk pretty much the day the Russia-Ukraine conflict started. So there was a very quick movement and thinking from businesses here in Asia right away to, does that change the risk calculus for us here in Asia based on what's been happening in Europe? So let's turn to that briefly and get your view. As we know, President Biden was asked at a press conference if the U.S. would defend Taiwan militarily, and he said pretty unequivocally that the answer would be yes. That looked like a change in policy for the U.S., although the White House walked that back a little bit. But in sum, why is that such a big deal, particularly for our listeners here that are running businesses? And how serious are the risks right now for us around Taiwan? Ultimately, our view on the short-term risks, let's say over the next year or so, has not really changed, which is those risks are very low. And we've broken that down in in more detail elsewhere. But basically, the costs of um, risking a major conflict are just too high for everybody involved. And there are some huge differences between the dynamics here and, and the ones in the case of Russia and Ukraine. But at the same time, the risks have been rising for years, especially since 2020. And they're they're continuing to rise. And I think Biden's comments are very significant. A lot of the media coverage of this portrays it as a gaffe, Biden going off script. I honestly doubt that this is really a gaffe. I think Biden knows the the Taiwan issue and the US policy formula on that very, very well. He's got years and years of experience with that issue. So when he makes these comments, I think he knows exactly what he's saying. And we're in this situation, I think, where the debate in Washington has changed and things like strategic clarity and some of these other issues that would not really have been discussed very much in the mainstream a few years ago and are now very actively being discussed. So I think Biden is kind of maybe walking a line here because he's made these comments before where they're sticking to the agreed official policy line on the surface, but he's also personally signaling some resolve and and some intent on this issue. And that's a pretty fine balance because, of course, China is watching this closely and takes it very seriously. So I think we'll see more of this rather than, you know, this scenario of China taking some dramatic military action. I think the main thing to watch at the moment will be how these debates play out in Washington, what happens in Congress, whether the U.S. administration goes next, and also the increased willingness of countries like Japan to talk about Taiwan, which was 
almost off limits a few years ago. So no real short-term conflict risk increase, but it really needs to be watched very closely because I think we'll see this continue to, to develop in the next few months. return to the conversation with Andrew in just a moment. But if you're interested to read more about what Andrew and his team have written around President Biden's visit, please do click on the link below in our podcast notes. And if you're looking for more such analysis and insights on a variety of issues from our analysts all over the world, in terms of what we're tracking for clients and what we're seeing in the market, please do visit the Our Thinking section on our Controls website, or you can click on the link below in our podcast notes. And now back to our discussion with Andrew. Yeah, so now Taiwan was not supposed to be the main focus of President Biden's trip, as we know. There was a lot of other things he came here to do, again, including the bilateral summits in South Korea and Japan, the launch of the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which he got 12 other countries to sign on to, and then the Quad Summit, again, with the brand new Australian Prime Minister Albanese. What are some of the key takeaways there? And I'm also conscious, you know, as we hear from you, that a lot of what we saw and heard from business leaders here as well in the run-up to this was you know, the U.S. is coming and indeed showing up in the region, but U.S. politics may also change. We've got U.S. midterms coming up in November and then the next presidential election in the U.S. in 2024. So bearing that also in mind, what are some of the key takeaways from the entire trip and some of the more specific agenda items that he had on the visit? Yeah, well, there's there's so many angles to this that we could pick up on. And just to select a few of those and following on from you know your your point about all the scenario planning work we've been doing with clients on the Taiwan issue the trip started in South Korea and one of the things being talked about then was of course the North Korea situation and as Biden arrived in South Korea there was a lot of speculation that there would be a North Korean nuclear test or or missile test which at the time we're recording this hasn't hasn't happened. But it was a reminder of one of the things we keep reminding clients in these conversations about Taiwan, which is that both in terms of geography and in terms of the, the type of risk, that the Taiwan conflict risk is is not the only and perhaps not the, the primary issue that they should be looking at, you know, when when they're thinking about potential scenarios that could emerge in in this region in the next year or two. North Korea is one of those and it's just one of the flashpoints out there in the region. We have all the maritime territorial disputes, etc. And North Korea was very much on Biden's agenda. And I think we'll see that back in the headlines in the next few weeks, because regardless of whether or not there's North Korean testing during Biden's visit, I think it's only a matter of what and when they test and things will heat up on that front, particularly with a new South Korean president in office now who is taking a more assertive stance towards North Korea, much less interested in engagement and was talking mainly with Biden, not about diplomacy towards North Korea, but about strengthening deterrence, maybe stepping up the U.S. 
are okay military exercises maybe greater deployment of u.s assets to the korean peninsula so that's something that i think people should anticipate more developments on in in the current months. And another big feature I think that was interesting was the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework got a lot of coverage. And in some ways, it's notable mainly by its its limitations. You know, it's not a trade agreement. And there are huge limits to what the US is willing and able to, to offer countries in the region on that. But what we saw in, in South Korea and Japan was a lot of emphasis, technology and industrial and, and, and supply chain security and more tangible efforts may be coming soon to coordinate between the US and allies in the region on those issues. So Biden's first stop in South Korea was visiting a Samsung chip plant. And a lot of the discussions around the Quad are related to working groups that involve, you know, strategic industries and technologies and and cybersecurity. And a lot of these are the areas where policy and politics, geopolitics impacts industry and and impacts our our clients. So I think there's, there's more to come in terms of initiatives involving these countries on those policy areas, and they will start to impact the policies that are shaping the environment for businesses. And what Ukraine, I think, has reminded us of is that that is not just the well-known strategic industries, semiconductors and the like. It's also critical minerals, food, energy, a lot of other areas that are being drawn into this much wider definition of strategic industries. So I think clients are increasingly understanding that not only is there more movement in these areas, but it goes deeper and it affects a bigger range of sectors than they might have expected a few years ago. Great. Thanks, Andrew. We're closing in on time. I wanted to ask one final question, which is clearly there's, you know, there's been a lot of changes at the individual leadership level in countries in Asia. We've talked about a couple. There are big geopolitical shifts going on in Europe as well as in Asia and and ones that impact Asia. And there are, as you've talked us through, quite a a number of bilateral and and multilateral initiatives and groupings that are forming to drive forward some things around innovation and economy and supply chain resilience and things like that. So again, just taking a big step back and thinking about what this means for clients, what are some of the top questions that we're getting from clients? What are some of the main takeaways that you're advising clients about as they're trying to parse through all of this noise and try to understand what it actually means for business operations and profits? So there's a lot of, um, you know, very specific uh industry level or or specific local questions we're helping clients work through. But if I had to pick out a couple of broad themes, I guess one of them we've touched on is, you know, planning with a a pretty systematic and, and broad strategic approach. So not just reacting to what's in the headlines. You know, some people will see all the headlines about, you know, what does Ukraine mean for Taiwan? And they're suddenly looking at planning for security risks to an office in Taipei, for example, whereas a better approach in in addition to doing that is to be stepping back and and saying, 
as we've mentioned, okay, there's a lot of other issues here. There's North Korea, South China Sea, East China Sea, India, China. There's a lot of flashpoints there, and you don't want to be reacting to headlines. You want to be looking ahead and have a, a, a clear clear plans in place for if those scenarios do occur, but also clear triggers and indicators that you've mapped for monitoring those and, and responding at different stages. But beyond that, it's also, you know, a lot of this is not about the security and crisis risks in terms of potential conflict issues. It's going back to these questions that we saw leaping onto clients' radars during the early years of the trade war, the US-China trade war. And then now back, I think, which is, it's about supply chains, sanctions, secondary sanctions questions, and the idea of decoupling. And obviously we're living in a world, clients are operating in a world which is for years to come going to be very heavily defined by how coupled it is. But at the same time, we are seeing these very real decoupling pressures in in certain areas and certain forms having a big impact on clients. So I think we're at a point now where there are a lot of scenarios for geopolitical change or crisis that, okay, they may seem a little far-fetched now, but they are credible enough to need some, some serious planning. And that I think often gets clients to a a point of having some very difficult conversations, you know, where they're talking about major market opportunities coming up against the need for resilience against geopolitical risks that might never be realized and that those generate some really some really difficult issues. But it's much better to be addressing those and planning for those now rather than, you know, waiting for a crisis to come. So I think it is a good time to be having those conversations and doing that kind of planning as the the, the pace of geopolitical shifts continues to remain a lot faster than than it was several years ago. Terrific. Well, thank you, Andrew. Really interesting discussion. And as always, a very useful um, discussion in thinking through not just what's happening in in, in the news cycle and what's being announced and kind of what's hitting the headlines, but actually what that means very practically for our listeners that are in business and, and how they can actually action, uh, you know, some of the things that they're seeing happen, happen around them. So thank you very much for that great discussion. And thanks very much to our listeners for tuning in. Um, this is all now for this episode of Asian Focus. So I just want to, again, thank everybody for joining. And if you did enjoy this episode, please know that there's, you can subscribe to the podcast channel that we have. You can receive all new episodes as they get published. And it just leaves it to me to say thank you very much and look forward to the next session. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of Asia in Focus, be sure to subscribe and make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.